Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of the Yo Adrian podcast. My guest today is one of my favorite people in the world. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it today, Mrs. Mija Kinsey. How are you doing today, Mija? I'm good, yeah. Just taking it easy. It's our day off recovery. Just got back from an away trip. Did you, uh, where'd you just come from? What city? We were in Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama. They have a, a team down there? They do. They're called the Birmingham Legion. Interesting. How many uh, teams are in this league again that you work in? Well, there's two conferences, and actually, I don't know off the top of my head, but there's quite a few. Like, if you want to combine the East Conference and West Conference, there's like over like 30. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. I thought it was um, a much smaller league, and that was pretty cool. But before we get into all that and, and what we're even talking about, uh, what you do for a living, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of... Uh, we can talk about how uh, we first met, if you remember that. I was actually, I had to think about that really hard um, earlier this week when and I knew we were going to do the podcast because I didn't remember, but um, then I did have this like early memory of us meeting. Um, so I'll kind of share that first if you want. And I remember, I think I was a sophomore. Yeah, because you were a, you were a, a, you were trying to get into uh, the athletic training program and uh, it was after some class or so we were I was walking back to my apartment and we were just walking in the same direction and I remember interacting with you because I thought you I remember just thinking you were super old sorry <laughs> like like old because you were just you're just like so mature I have an old soul yes and and I was like this this girl's like a like a rookie or whatever but she seems like super old like and I, and I we like in that like just walk that you probably don't remember like back to our separate apartments like I was like this girl like I knew you were gonna get into the program because I was like she's way above just mature maturity level over these other 18 year olds out of high school that are trying to do this um but yeah uh that's that's just how I remember meeting and then we just kind of ended up in the same uh friend group kind of towards the end of college and and all that but uh what's your uh earliest memory of us meeting that that's a funny recollection i feel like it's that's like a random day it's like such, it's one of those like random memories that like doesn't even have a purpose or meaning it's just like you remember like certain um, moments i don't know it's weird yeah actually this is it's really interesting i don't know how much you edit out and stuff but the the moment that i like specifically recall like you and me interacting that's memorable huh. early on was actually um <laughs> during a certain hazing event <laughs> you know it's all loud and crazy going on and i'm just generally a quiet person and i think this is all funny and like uh-huh. it doesn't bother me at all but i specifically remember you coming up to me on the side and being like hey are you okay um, <laughs> and, like you were just really like nurturing in that moment and yeah, I thought, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. so i must have looked freaked out or i was too quiet or something but yeah. i just remember that moment specifically i thought it was really funny that's so. funny yeah, I don't. I don't remember that. That's that's cool. How we each have different small little things that you just like will stick with you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's funny. Um. So, uh, where did you uh grow up? Um, initially, and and is that uh where are you from? Where's your family from? Like, just tell me a little bit about about your background. Yeah. So actually, I was born in good old Midland, Texas. Uh, really. Yes, I grew uh, up in Big Spring for four years. Yeah, where middle, middle, I'm still trying to learn all of Texas. Texas is so damn. It's like way west Texas, two hours from the border. So what's the closest big city? I guess. Uh, yeah, no, Midland is like the big city. Really, (laughs) in a smaller town. 
Yeah, yeah Jordan Bush is from Midland, I think, is what I've heard. A lot of oil rigs, which is like yeah. all probably. But That's like all of West Texas for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's out there. I'm not sure where. I haven't been back since it's I was five born. hours from me. Yeah. Wow, right. it's out there. Yeah. You, that's where you were born? I was born. Yes. That wow. Was I didn't know that. Yeah. So random. But I was out there in Texas for four years. And then we moved back to Indiana because my dad's from there. Um, when, Like, I don't know. Yeah, when I was like four or five. And then lived in Indianapolis for a hot second and then moved uh-huh. to Fishers, Indiana. And grew up there basically until high school. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and, um, your parents. Yeah. So both of my parents are deaf. They met at the deaf university in Washington, DC called Gallaudet university. Cool. Where are they from originally? Like how did they end up going there? Is that just one of the few, um, like universities that, um, is specific like that, that, or how does that work? Right. Yeah. So my dad's originally from Indianapolis as well. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom, she's Korean. So she got adopted out of Korea when she was 14 and then grew up in North Carolina um, with her, my current grandparents. Um, But yeah, so Gallaudet's like the top basically university for the deaf out there. There's really nothing like it. Um, It's really cool. That's awesome. So you, what made you want to pursue athletic training as um, a profession and um, well, I guess I'll let you talk on it first, but did you see it as like, I'm going to do this and then get into this or did you just, or did you know you're going to do just this long-term? So initially, actually, I, I'm very structured in my lifestyle. I've always done the right thing, you know, the right path, you know, do what I'm told and be successful, all that stuff. So initially uh-huh. I went into nursing at Purdue. Okay. Uh, because everyone says that's a stable, safe job and long-term. How long did you okay. try that for? Um, I was in there for technically a full year, but after first semester, I knew I wanted to switch. But athletic training, you can't start till the spring. Okay. And I learned a lot in that year. Um, yeah. But it just wasn't the kind of environment I was, I felt compatible with. And so I saw, I wanted to stay in healthcare, um, but I really loved athletics. Like half my family is super involved in athletics and I was pretty athletic and sporty growing up. So athletic training kind of just made the most sense. Any sports specifically that you were like hard, that you like super wanted to pursue specifically? Like for me, it was always football. Yeah. So basketball, that was like basketball, 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 the whole thing going through, like, that's what I thought. And then I got to grad school. I was like, Oh, soccer. Did you work, did you work basketball at any point? Like long-term? No. So I only did, um, I did an internship with the Dallas Mavericks. Oh yeah. 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 And I kind of did a recurring visits there um, just because the head athletic trainer there, Casey Smith, is amazing. Um, but he really kind of lit me into that kind of world. Whereas I really tried to work with men's basketball at Purdue, but they weren't allowing females to work with them. At yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. which we'll get into that. Uh, I want to talk to you specifically about some of the challenges of being a, a woman in this profession. I think a lot of it, um, we're, we've made a lot of progress in recent years. You probably know a lot more about that than me. Um, but I definitely see women at more of the higher levels of athletics now. And it's not even like question. Like when I was at the uh, San Diego Chargers when they were still in San Diego, we had a female a PTAT there and she was great. And it, and it's not even like no, like no guys or anybody walks into their, that training room and is like, oh, there's a female in here. It was just like, she's just another AT. 
you know, so I, I think that stigma is going away like really quickly and it's not. I don't I don't really see it as a thing anymore. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I've just been in the right places where it's accepted, you know, but um, I don't know how to, if you want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, it seems like it's been a huge change. Like um, I went to like the Colts training camp kind of up here in Westfield and I saw a lot of female interns kind of just yeah. flying around everywhere. So that was really cool to see. Um, you know, in the women in AT group, we're just seeing a bunch of um, uh, the females in there just getting jobs and internships and head positions. And it's a really big shift because we do know, like, right now, females are the majority um, of the demographic in the field of athletic training. Yeah. Uh, but right now, we're just addressing the issue of the um, higher level positions that there's not as much visibility at. But that is that is shifting, actually. Yeah, quite, yeah. It seems like. So um, what is... Um your company woman in AT and uh, who started that with you and what are you guys trying to do or what, what uh, just tell me, just tell me all about it. Cause I, I know nothing about it other than following you guys on Instagram. Right. So of course it's like a big private thing, you know um, it's not, I don't want to claim it as my company. I just started it out as a Facebook group. Um, okay. I really surrounded myself with people that were very smart, very motivated because I knew that they would get stuff done. Um, better than I would because mine was kind of like I'm I'm an idea dropper. I just kind of plant okay. seeds and then have people yeah, run yeah. with it. Um, but as far as that goes, it's it was created because I was working at the Washington Spirit. It's a women's professional soccer team out in DC, mm-hmm. um, and I was the only AT on staff, and I was employed through a like a physical therapy company. Oh, okay. Um. So I had resources, but it wasn't like a strong network that you get at a college setting or something yeah, yeah. Or a hospital setting like that. So right. I felt a little bit out of touch. Um, and I felt like the only way to really, you know, stay connected and make sure I was up to date on things and whatever was to just create a Facebook group um, that I could stay in touch with people. Um, I made it private because I knew there was a lot of issues too with just like sexual harassment, you know, by uh-huh. different types of people whether it's coaches or referees seems to be a really big recurring one um really yeah so that so that was just like giving a space for people to vent and talk and not be judged because that was the really biggest thing is like okay some of the questions may seem stupid but i mean it's just such varying degrees of like education in our field that it it had to be really important that we came into with a non-judgmental um kind of view but i started out with like 20 people basically Uh my class from uh purdue and then one thing goes to the next you know we were from 30 people to 3,000 people in about a couple of days um so yeah just through that facebook group cool and then where did it uh kind of go from there from that facebook group getting bigger and bigger yeah so then i was like okay well this thing is starting to get bigger than me um so then i reached out to katie breedlove Mm-hmm. Um, I knew her at, at Purdue and at yep. University of Delaware. And so it just kind of made sense because, you know, I respect her so much and her intelligence and yeah, yeah. Her she's and definitely then, one of the like smartest people I've ever met. And in- yeah, exactly. Um, and then Megan Smith, who's always been a good leadership type and great ideas and all that kind of thing. Uh, met her at Purdue University and then Chelsea Best. I met her at University of Delaware. Um, yeah. Very energetic, good with people, always pushing to kind of, she wanted to work in football. And so she, you know, obviously had to go through all the struggles against football because that seems to be the hardest one for us to break into. Yeah. Um, 
Nikki Lounsbury, who is also at University of Delaware. Um, she's very just financially savvy. She's worked with a lot of nonprofits out in that state. Um, so she made sense as well. Um, mm-hmm and was just very compatible with me. And the last one was Nicole Wilkins, who actually just randomly reached out to me on Facebook. She was one of the first people to want to be more active with the group. And so uh-huh. we brought her on as the only person that I didn't directly know. Um, cool. And she just connected with the group really well, really quickly. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so what is your goal of this uh collective of of women athletic training like what do you is it just like meant to be like a support group or what else are you guys trying to do um as a whole so at the beginning we had like a thousand ideas flying around um just like what we wanted to do what direction we wanted to go i mean we did have it set up as an llc for a while um but just because of like the financial like logistics of it and like a lawyer team that was needed and all that to like really keep it going. We're all full time clinicians. So it wasn't practical for this at the time. So we dissolved it um, as the company, but kept the community aspect of it mm-hmm. because that's the most important thing um, yeah, yeah. to us right now where we wanted to see it going is a turning it into a nonprofit, eventually just like a 501 C three or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like m- making a scholarship. That's like, cool. Currently yeah, yeah. kind of a big thing for us right now is, you yeah, know, that'd be awesome. we can at least do that um, and advocating for meetups and stuff like that. We did have a meetup at NATA um, the first really? year of its inception and it went really well. Yeah. So it's just keeping everyone connected and whoever, you know, we pass, whoever I pass on the like presidency onto, like I'm confident that they'll take it in the direction that it needs to go. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Talk about what has been your experience um, working at the professional level, even with your like internships. What what has been some of your challenges or just even in general, not even specifically talking about yourself the through the women in AT program? What are the some of the the repeated kind of incidents that, you know, may come up or that you guys um, discuss or are challenges that continue to happen within the field at that level, at that higher level of pro sports. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I've seen different issues within different levels. It's like the high school level. I think it's like, it kind of wavers between high school and college level where I feel like the female athletic trainers are the least respected in regard to like their clinical and like medical decisions so mm-hmm. coaches question them a lot more and challenge them a lot more and just um, talk down to them more and just really don't respect their opinion. Um, you feel that um, at the high school level? High school and college. I've seen it in both, but I think high school quite prevalent. Um, yeah. Maybe because it's more, there's a, there's a lot of a younger age demographic working in that kind of field. I'm not sure why. Yeah, uh, it depends uh, from my experience of now working in two different high schools. I think it, that kind of will depend on the community you're in and kind yeah. of the parent involvement and how they kind of uh, view your position, I guess. Because sometimes you'll be in a community that's maybe very well off and, um, you know, like the parent is not, no matter who you are, like they're not even going to listen to you and they're just going to take their kids straight to a, a doctor because they can afford to. Um, where you can be in a much more low income community where you like they don't have insurance and you are their only option to care for their child. So they're going to hope that you know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of 
I feel like, I don't know, that's just what I'm saying at the high school level, what my experience has been from maybe that could do with more of just uh, the environment that you're in more than um, the respect of the AT. Because sometimes, a lot of times at that level too, I still get a lot, and this is a problem in our profession as a whole still, but it continues to improve that a lot of people just don't know what we even do. So especially at that high school level, that's a lot. That's a lot of the first time a parent is ever interacting with a person that does what we do. So they don't even know what our job entails. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that makes sense. I think I agree with you. Like that's the education of what an athletic trainer even does. Like, you know, it's, it's more, you know what it is, the higher up in the level you go. So you have that problem first off. So you're trying to fight all these battles, but then there's like that second layer of being a female within those levels. So it's like, right. Oh, look at this little girl on the sideline. Like, what does she know? Sometimes you'll yep. get that. not always, usually it's like older referees who make inappropriate comments or yep. ask for like weird massages and rub downs. Like that's yep. a really common thing that comes up. Um, yeah. Something like that. But professional level, like I really haven't had much fight back like even when I was doing my internship early on like my my uh mentor Casey was like you know if you if you if you want to keep pursuing this like the NBA is starting to look into more females and they're hiring them more so that was like just when it was starting and I'm trying to remember I think I did that internship my junior year of college College. Uh, yeah so like 2014 or something like that yeah um and now you know it's so prevalent didn't the the Lakers just hire uh that lady Yes. Yes. They just hired um, a female head. So that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I thought I saw that. Do you feel like you like you're ever like walking on eggshells either, whether it be like around athletes or because I don't think that this is coming from athletes. I think some of the the challenges from women in the profession may be coming from upper management who like don't think that you belong there. Does that make sense? More so than from the athlete being like, Oh, I don't want this girl to work with me. You mean like the admin kind of seeing whether or not you fit in? With yeah. Like, or, or even them just being like sexist and being like, no, we can't have a female work with male athletes or whatever in this environment without yeah. them even knowing you are as a clinician or a professional or even as a person, just them making that judgment on the fact that you are a female. I have not come across that problem, thankfully. But again, I never was like, I never pursued American football um, right. as a thing. And I think that's where it's most common from what I'm seeing in the group. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are like, it's just huge, this massive male, you know, masculine, huge male, you know, coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And then you got the admin backing them up. And sometimes you have the conflict of like the head football coach is also the AD and like yep. kind yeah. of that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, you know, this girl, this girl is going to ruin the culture, you know, of our, we want to be hyper masculine. We want to be super competitive, like kind of thing. And, you know, they kind of see her as like an infiltration of that, or they have to like change the way they talk, or they think that they have to be so careful because they're going to offend her, which I mean, at the end of the day, honestly, like if you don't direct (laughs) any of that, like inappropriate language towards us, like a lot of us don't care. Like we joke around just as much about that stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think that's just like them not really interacting with women in general, like in a sporting well, environment. That and I feel like you just kind of touched on it a little bit that a lot of it is that there's still just a lot of like old school mentality people in the world of athletics, you know, and like I feel like as they start to filter out and we got this new generation of, you know, people coming in with different mentalities, then that will all kind of be washed out eventually, I feel. 
um, as we just continue to be more progressive as as a whole. Where I feel like, yeah, you'll still get these older, old head coaches that feel that way and, you know, just have that old school mentality of how things work, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think it is the older generation that um, is like that. And yeah, not to generalize because there's definitely been some older coaches that have been phenomenally respectful to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. for sure. Um, what, um, what made you want to pursue such uh, a high level of athletics? Um, cause you know, you just, you said you wanted to do basketball. How did you end up then totally uh, switching into soccer and pursuing it at the level that you're working at, uh, uh, that you're working at now? Yeah. So initially I did want to stay in basketball, um, love the NBA. And then I did the internship and, you know, I saw some things that, you know, the athletic trainer also had to do and, I wasn't for it at the time. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I want to get to the professional level and be an assistant at that level. That's kind of my mindset at the time. So uh-huh. kind of weird why I, maybe I thought I wasn't good enough or I'm not sure I didn't want to deal with all the stuff that comes at the top. I don't really know. Yeah. But then I fell into working with soccer at grad school, fell in love with it. I just love the culture of the sport, like mm-hmm. personalities, the types of injuries, the environment, the sport itself. And yeah. so I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I want to go to the top level, but I'm going to stay in this sport. And so I did an internship at DC United. Um, Brian Goodstein is the head there. He's been the head there forever. He's pretty much a legend um, in soccer as far as athletic training goes. Um, He's basically been, like, the mentor for everyone that's worked in MLS or USL. (laughs) Uh Um, So I worked with, like, basically as an athletic trainer for U23s. It's the age group there with their academy. And then I volunteered with the first team. Um, had a really good experience there. And he kind of referred me and helped me get my job as the head AT with the women's team, which was really kind of shocking to me because I didn't know if I was ready to take a head position. But that was the point where I was like, okay, well, I can't be afraid. And he believes in me enough to do that. So I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Um, it was a tough year because it's like it was like the least amount of resources I've really ever had to experience. But I mean, it was an amazing group of athletes and like, I really enjoyed being with that coaching staff. And then, you know, I thought I was going to be there for a few years and this job back in Indianapolis popped up through um, like a mutual connection and they're like, Uh apply for it. And I was like, all right, I guess it's time to go back. And that's what I did. I feel like you're in the rare, like 1% of females that want to pursue that high of a level. Cause I feel like not a lot of people or I mean, females that I was surrounded with, like continue to pursue our profession at that high level, they either get into another secondary profession, or a secondary higher degree, um, or just fall out of the profession altogether and career change, you know, but like, um, so what have you did you because it sounds like you always had that mindset, like, no, I want to do this at this level, like this, this is what I want to do. Yeah, I think that was like the the athleticness in me, like just super competitive. And yeah, like, yeah. it could be a bit of a flaw, like, you know, you're, you're kind of influenced by society and like, you know, what what's seen as successful on that. And so right. I was like, no, I, I, I want to go to the top and I want to prove people wrong. And like, I want to do it just because I can kind of thing, really what, yeah. what it was at the end of the day. Um, yeah. But it's weird because now I'm at a USL level, which I mean, is seen as level two in mm-hmm. American soccer. Um, but I'm really happy here as the head AT. And yeah. usually I thought my goal was going to be, be a head in the MLS or an yeah. assistant in the MLS is like technically seen as a step up or maybe uh-huh. a horizontal move. I'm not really sure. Um, some people struggle with that, yeah. but I don't know. I just, 
I'm happy with I'm at where I'm at. It's good quality. It's a good environment and stuff like that. So for me, I don't know. I don't know what made me stay in it so much longer. Maybe it was just, I don't know, everything. I had all the right conditions to kind of set me up to succeed and the right yeah. support network and the right people giving me the right advice at the right time. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, uh, I feel like, do you, did you, do you very much enjoy being able to like come back home and work where you work now in a sense? Oh yeah. No, it was definitely because of where it was. I don't, I wouldn't have taken a USL job anywhere else. I don't think. Okay. Because I wanted to spend a few times like at the top, like, cause I was ahead at the women's pro team and that's, that's the number one level in their league. So oh, gotcha, gotcha. And it, with the world cup coming up, that happened this year. Like I knew yeah. I was going to miss out on a really big opportunity. Yeah. I just, this was the job. Cause actually the year before or two, I was actually asking the head guy here previously, Brian Gerlock, if there was an assistant position for a while. Mm -hmm. So I just kept checking in, like I'll even take a part-time assistant, you know, like I, like I was just always trying to get back. Um, yeah. And so th then the irony was like, he's like a head position open. I was like, all right, I guess it's time to go. Um, yeah, I kind of my experience like when I when I worked in the NFL for a year with the Patriots, like I I've been I've been thinking about this a lot lately because now I don't want to make it sound like I'm losing interest in my job. Yeah. My yeah. profession. Like I don't love it as much as I used to, but my job has gone from it being like my end all be all where like I pay so much attention to it and like, you know, it's like my focus to now it's just Becoming more of a nine to five, if that makes sense. I'm starting to feel like how normal people feel about their jobs. Absolutely. Like they, like they clock in, clock out in a way. But when I'm at work, I'm not going through the motions. Like I'm still enjoying my job and I like what I do, interacting with, with the athletes that I work with. But like I'm starting to treat it more and more with every year that goes by, like a, just a job. And like, hey, this is just my job. I come here and I do it. But then when I leave, like it doesn't define me. And I am somebody else outside of when I'm working. It's uh, like, is that just me? I'm trying to sense if that's just me because I'm getting older or if that's me because I no longer work at that high of a level. No, I think that's so normal. And I think you'll get that from high school to the professional level. Like there's like a lot of energy and excitement when you're young starting out and you're very ambitious. And like, we all have like this, this caregiver like trait in us. Yeah. Um, but it, in a way it's not sustainable long-term because eventually like, you know, I'm coming, I'm kind of doing a bit of soul searching now, but like a lot of us in healthcare take care of other people because we're avoiding, we're avoiding taking care of something within ourselves. I yeah, think for sure. no, I so that's not sustainable over a long period of time. So people, when they start to have to figure out who they are as a person, they lose joy in the job. And so I've always emphasized like, really figure out like what you like have a ton of hobbies like find things that you like to do like don't let being an athletic trainer define you from the beginning because yep. like that'll destroy you if you you if can't you sustain that. that yeah exactly and I think a lot of women struggle with that because we are just like a lot of like a caregiver personalities like nurturing mm -hmm. personalities and maybe that's why so many switch over because they like burn themselves out because they don't allow themselves to figure yeah. out what they want or be independent or however. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. No, that that's, that's awesome that you put your two cents in it that way, because I totally agree with that. And I hadn't uh, looked at it that way that because we're like, initially we're, we're being extra in a sense and, and being a, a caregiver because we're so into what we're learning and doing in the profession and we're so fresh into it. And now you become kind of numb to it where it's like, 
yeah, this is what I do. This is how I take care of somebody. This is how they get back to health. And I've done this a few times now. This is how it goes. You know what I mean? Where before it was like, oh, this is my first, this kind of injury I'm looking at or seeing. And, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it's like where now it's like, oh, I've seen this before. This is more of a I know what I'm doing and less of a, oh, this is so fresh and new to me and exciting and cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we yeah. all come to a point in our jobs where it kind of becomes automatic and yeah. in a way it should. So what differentiates, you know, good from the best? It's like that just extra like oomph that somebody can like provide. And right. usually it's from like patient care side of things like empathizing yeah. or seeing the psychological things or anything like that. Like, yeah, no. And the other thing I like that you said was as you continue to improve yourself or provide more attention to your whatever you're lacking in your own life then that kind of if it's like a balance beam it's, it's the work-life balance beam you know mm-hmm. where as you pay more attention to your life then that work kind of goes down you know like it's less less attention is paid to it but you're benefiting from your social life which is definitely where I'm at right now where that's why I kind of I'm like just treating it as that clock in clock out because I'm enjoying a lot more working on myself and doing the things I'm doing outside of work where before maybe I wasn't like I would looking forward to actually going to work the next day because that's where I was doing all my socializing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You just the work life balance, like having a life outside of work takes effort, but like, it's definitely worth it. You just can't let your job define you. For sure. And I feel that a lot of people in our profession can get lost in that. They do like we, we I think we have this struggle where like we want to be so proud of being an athletic trainer because yeah. it requires such a special person. But yeah. then we get lost sometimes in like just being the job. Yep. And I think that goes for males and females. And I think that's why as a whole, you see a lot of just burnout in the profession at, at young ages. Tell me about um, side effect wellness. What's that about? So just again, one of those side projects that kind of um started because you know I missed having community it always goes back to community like me always trying to get to community or anything like that um think it was moving back to indie and just trying to get plugged in again and you know of course I've always liked fashion like uh-huh. movement and wellness and wellness is the big thing but basically I can just read our mission statement um from yeah. that company but it says we aim to bring together a community of contrasting personas and guide them to common ground Our goal is to integrate the realm of wellness by challenging the current culture of health and fitness through a holistic approach. Just like our logo, designed to look like an abstract Venn diagram, we believe this emphasizes our goal by moderating duality through merchandise and education. We want our followers to find solidarity through our symbol and this rare revolution and take action to share with each other. We are all created in an extraordinary and complex fashion whose function is to move. Engaging in our culture may induce side effects such as thoughts of gratitude, tolerance, patience, social wealth, and an overall sense of self. We believe the future of medicine is motion and movement is the mission. Come as you are. Welcome to the family. Basically, the big thing is like trying to help people live a healthy lifestyle by being vulnerable. And we're all putting up fronts and it's really hard to be vulnerable. And I think it's just time that we do that. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, Instagram right here as you were talking and I was thinking... If you put this logo on like a jujitsu rash guard, I'd totally rock it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's simple. Um, yeah. But I think it gets, you know, my point across just like you can basically 
if something seems so completely opposites, you can always find common ground within yeah. people. So you just have to find that common ground. Yeah. Um, so sure. many of us are lost. And I think that's what leads to a lot of like health issues is like yeah. that. So I've seen that a lot in the different kind of kids that I'm working with now going from working more in like a farm town to working in the city now. Like these kids are the same as the other kids. Like they, they're going through the same struggles. They're just in a different environment. And it's so weird to see that where it's like, yeah, these kids are growing up totally different from other kids in a rural environment, but they're going through the same struggles. And it's cool to just, well, not cool that they're going through those struggles, but it's, it's for me, that's going from two different scenarios like that to see how kind of we're all the same and it just we just grow up in slightly different situations yeah um one other thing i wanted to talk to you about was i wasn't sure if you've uh shared in in my uh martial arts experience and had ever done any type of striking or or grappling um martial arts so i've never done like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or any of like that MMA stuff but I did do taekwondo for a bit uh-huh. and like the funny part about that was I initially got into it one because I wanted to be active two I like the combative aspect of it um and three because it's Korean based and like yeah. I was really trying to touch base with my culture again because there's a lot of Koreans out in DC yeah um, so that it was like like kind of a triple threat win situation how, how long did you do it for Oh man, I was like two to four months maybe, oh, but wow. I got a ton out of it. I was going like th- two to three times a week. Really? Dang, you were you were deep in it then. That, that's, yeah, I was in it. That's a lot more than most people. Like I see like the gym where I go to, like there's so many people that either like just come to the trial class or they sign up for the first month and then you never see them again. I'm going to be going on my fourth month total. Yeah. And, you know, I still feel very raw new to it and i'm yep. just, like every day is frustrating and it's just like i get frustrated with myself and if i wasn't frustrated by it then I, it means that i wouldn't care like i would don't yeah. give a shit about what i'm doing but I, when i first started i was like yeah i'm just gonna do this for fitness like just right. i need to do cardio because i just lift weights all fucking day right like mm-hmm. I, I need to do some cardio but i don't want to be on a treadmill or on an elliptical and now i'm like n- I'm not trying to become a professional fighter or anything, but I'm like, no, now when I go in that gym, I'm like, no, I'm not just here to work on my cardio. I'm here to get better at this, or I'm going to be better striker at this today. I'm going to work on my jab. I'm going to do this hook, or I'm going to work on this uh, grappling technique. Like I, I'm, I go in there with trying to get better at something instead of, I'm just going to go here and get a sweat and then go home. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like I, so my like instructor was like, she really liked me because like I'm really athletic compared to like most of the people that go there. So like yeah. I picked up things really quick. I picked up like the movements, um, yep. the forms really quick. And like, she was like really pushing me to um, compete, but like yeah. with my schedule, we can't go to the competition. Yeah, like, of course. I'm not trying to tear an ACL. So like, exactly. I always think I, about like, that too. Like sometimes um, I'll be in class and I'm like, man, should I be doing some of this shit? Like what if I get hurt? Like what the fuck? <laughs> I know it's so bad, but like so obsessed with it. Like if I could be a black belt, I would do it. And like yeah. my was like breaking boards is like part of your your test and stuff like that. I don't know how it is in um, jujitsu and stuff. How yeah. you guys do the next belt? But I was like, yeah, this is sick. But like it's actual. <laughs> and like it's so funny because then I get to my current job and we have like these, you know those long foam rollers. 
that uh-huh. people like, cut in half. Yeah, so yeah. me and my like performance coach were joking around. He's like, you'll break this in half. I was like, definitely. And so we just like put it across these two tra- treatment tables and I just uh-huh. do like, an axe kick and like break it in half, <laughs> like <it>? so clean. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Now you have two foam rollers. So that's funny. funny. That's funny. Are you looking to get back into an indie or, or do you just not have to take it now? But it is really expensive, and like I feel yeah. like I can only make it once a week. Yeah, it's hard to really get anything out of it if you're only going once a week. So, and like the expense is worth it for sure. Yeah, you for actually, sure. Commit. yeah. No, like I've been going like five to six times a week, and sometimes oh, I go wow. to, like I'll go to like two to three classes in the session. I'll spend two and a half hours there. Yeah. And so I'm like, like I, sometimes I walk out of there and I'm like, man, this is a bargain. Like I'm like I like they should be charging me more for the amount of time <laughs> I spend here. Yeah. <laughs> No, but but I definitely, uh, it's weird. That's what I found so weird about it, how I've gone from, oh, I'm just going to go in here and sweat to, no, I'm trying to get better at this. Yeah. It's weird. I think that's also the, like, athletic training thing because you go from being a spectator on the sideline to now you're doing, like, your own thing. Right. And we're so competitive, I think, too, a lot of us. So it's like, yeah, I want to get good at this. or I want to be, yeah, I want to get this right. Or also, I think it's funny, like, sometimes, like, I'll like be getting tired or like my technique will be shitty because I'm being lazy mm-hmm. and I'll think of like an athlete yeah. that, that I like call out at practice in my head, you know, that you're watching somebody like you're like, Oh, look at this lazy ass or look at, yeah. or, you know, dragging their ass or whatever. And then you're, and then I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to be like that guy. So now I got to get my shit together. And then you like refocus and get, get it together. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like it too. Cause it's so different from, your typical sports combat sports is not something athletic trainers are very involved in no yeah i know there's a there's actually a a women in at there's a female um athletic trainer that owns her own like athletic training company and she works like all of the usa taekwondo tournaments and stuff yeah she's hardcore so yeah um what else is there anything else you want to talk about or ask me about or anything else you got on your mind? I was going to ask you about what inspired you to kick off your podcast. Cause that's like a part of you, like, you know, doing a thing outside of AT. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, dang, actually I had a, I had a bad feeling. Somebody was going to ask me this. this <laughs> and I was like, damn, when somebody asked me this, am I going to give them the honest answer? Or am I going to give them the corporate answer? Um, I'll give you both answers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the corporate answer that I give people is, uh, is that, well, actually it's the corporate answer is the real answer also, but it doesn't have all the details. Okay. But, um, so I started it because I, um, wanted to get my thoughts out. Like, well, me and uh, my buddy Devin, who was on one of the podcasts, we talk a lot. Um, and we always have these deep conversations like Love about that. so healthy throwing that like, like about like some of the stuff I'll touch on the podcast that isn't comical and then eventually he was like well I think jokingly we just said it one time we we're like dude we should record this and then we just like joked about it and I just started it was just like an idea for like six months before I ever bought a microphone or anything like that and then what happened was uh a girl that that I was seeing for a little bit and me and her would also have very like deep meaningful conversations and um, then we stopped seeing each other and I stopped having somebody to have those conversations with and so 
I still had the idea planted in me from Devin. Well, I tried to like journal and like yeah. once a week sit down and journal, like just what happened to me throughout the week or what I'm where I'm at in life. That's cool. And I did that for two weeks and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> um, I like to talk. Like I like to mm -hmm. talk to people or just speak my thoughts out loud. So I started this. Now I'm like looking at it as the goal of this. Like I don't shoot for people to listen to it. If people do listen, if people have been listening, it's great. But uh, if they can get something out of it. My favorite thing is when like, and I had this happen earlier this week. Um, sometimes I'll record an episode and be like, uh, cause I usually don't listen back to them. So they're not, like, don't remember what I said half the time. And, uh, but then somebody will text me throughout the week after they listen to it and be like, Hey man, really related to what you said about this, or I thought this was funny or this and that. And then I'm like, Oh, that's like, it makes me feel good that people get something out of it. Yeah. Um, because it makes even if it's one part of the whole podcast that you can relate to and that you might have felt the same way at some point, it makes those people feel like they're not alone. You know what I mean? That's not my goal either. Like my goal is to vent myself out. In turn, other people are getting something out of it. That's cool for me. But honestly, now like this is, I want to keep doing these and especially the ones with the guests like this. I've always had this, uh, nostalgia with like photo albums like going to your parents house and flipping through big photo albums right instead of photo albums when i'm older i want to have this podcast just listen to it like one day when i'm like 85 yeah that's so good you know what i mean and just like listen to me sitting here today in 2019 like 50 years from now hopefully if i'm alive you know You'd be like, oh, yeah, I was so wise for my age. Or what the heck was I talking about? Yeah, like, I just want to listen. to Like, I think that'd be so cool to to look back on other than, a, like, it's my way of, like, having a virtual audio photo album to one day look back on. Yeah, love that. So, yeah, that, that's what got me to do it. And that's why I continue to bring people on like yourself. Like, I, I just like bringing people on that are doing something with their lives and that I uh, admire from afar. I'm always observant. I'm like very observant um, mm -hmm. of like what people are doing. Mm -hmm. If you can't tell from like some of the podcasts, like I, I, I'm very, I'm very attention to detail based and I like notice little things and yeah, I think everything, yeah. I think everything's like weirdly connected or like I'll psychoanalyze everything and be like, Oh, this person <laughs> feels this way because they did this. And like, yeah. I'm constantly like, I think I'm the world's best like psychologist. Yeah. But, but I but I treat everybody but myself. You know what I mean? That's the healthcare provider complex. Yep. Um but yeah, that's what that's what got me to do it and I'm gonna keep doing it until it's not fun for me anymore. But so far it's been it's been fun. That's cool. It it is a lot of work, but I think you're like it does build a community in a sense too, you know. There's like a group of listeners and they're kind of sympathizing, empathizing, or just feeling like you know, they're not alone in a certain thing, which is yeah, really important. So what do you, do you got anything coming up you want to plug or share or anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, um, just put a little, I guess, blurb out there. We, uh, Indy 11 did clinch playoffs, so we will be nice. playing from November. Our season's cool. February to November, so oh, it's good. a long year, but it's good. So nice. hopefully we win. It's a big stretch of games, like back-to-back. -back. I don't know why our league does this, but it's like yeah, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday. 
Wednesday, and we just had one Saturday, and then we have another one Saturday after that. So, well, thank you for uh, for doing this, Major. Really appreciate it. Like I said, I I, I picked you to be on it because I respect you as a professional in our profession, and also just I, uh, like I said, even from the first day or my first memory of you, you've always been like that wise old soul, and I respect your kind of approach to to your overall life. Um, so, so yeah. Thank yeah, thank you so much for having me. Like, honestly, it's been really enjoyable. And I hope you keep doing these and you still love it for a long yeah. time. Sweet. Thank you very much. That's all we have for today. Thank you to Mija for joining us this week. And thank you all, as always, for listening. Don't forget to follow the podcast at Yo Adrian Pod on Instagram and leave us five stars and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And remember, the universe has no accidents and time is the only luxury. <laughs>